I'm reluctant to turn this thing on now after I sang my special the other day. I said, ice cream is international, just in case you didn't get it. Okay. Joel chapter 1, verse number 1. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. Hear this, ye old men, and give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell ye your children of it. And let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. That which the palmer worm hath left hath the locust eaten, and that which the locust hath left hath the canker worm eaten, and that which the canker worm hath left hath the caterpillar eaten. Awake, ye drunkards, and weep and howl, all you drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. He hath laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree. He hath made it clean bare and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Father, we thank you for your love to us. We ask God that you'd bless this study. Lord, help us to learn much tonight from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every book in the Bible has a key. Sometimes it's in the back door. Sometimes it comes in the front door and this is in chapter 1, and we've mentioned it before. Then verse number 15, he says, Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. God has a message for us. Not just for Judah, the message was for Judah, but God has a message for us, and that's why he put it in the book. At this point, the land of Palestine was a wonderful place. It was beautiful. The hills were filled with fig trees and olive trees and the slopes. They were just covered with the vineyards and the valleys filled with corn. It, it had been described by God as a land of milk and honey. God knew what he was talking about. It was a beautiful land. But when Joel here is called to prophesy, God tells him of a terrible judgment that was coming. But in order for him to get the message out, he gave him or shows Joel something that is very important. And we start out our study in the book of Joel from verses 1 through 12 is the past day of the Lord. As last week we saw the, the illustration and you had the, uh, he looks back at the locusts and, and how they destroyed the land. Then as he looks forward, he sees the battle of ba between Babylon uh, uh, when they come in and take over Judah. And then you see the, the, the uh, coming of the Holy Spirit of God. And then you see the, the actual day of the Lord. 
which is in that tribulation and millennial time. But he starts it out and he says, so that you can understand my message and how serious it is and what I'm saying or trying to get across to you. He said, I want first to go back and show you the past day of the Lord. Now, most of them didn't even know that there had been a day of the Lord. They just thought it was just something that was going on. But he begins his prophecy with the description of a locust plague. That which is unprecedented in Israel's history. Do you have that, that, that slide of the locust there, Brother Jeff? When we come out one day over in Uganda, on our wall, it was totally saturated with grasshoppers. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. I mean, we had a white wall, and we come out there, remember that, son? I mean, it was just covered with grasshoppers, and this was not a locust invasion. We find out now this was just a yearly thing. The, the grasshoppers had come in November, and we're out there grabbing them, and the guys are putting them in their pockets and putting them in bags, and then they'd go home, fix them up, and we'd have fried grasshoppers. Amen. <laughs> no chocolate, just fried grasshoppers. But in order to emphasize what was coming, he points out that devastation that had happened just absolutely overnight in the land. You don't know when it was coming. We had no idea that, the, that these grasshoppers were going to show up. All of a sudden, we get up one morning, go out, and it is just, it's really something. This, what he's talking about in these verses that we've read, about the palmer worm and the locusts and the, the canker worm and the caterpillar. It's all different stages and all different types of, uh, of uh, locusts. There's over 80 different types of locusts and different things that they do. And when they come in, they just totally swarm. And within just a matter of, of, of just minutes, that that stock of corn there would be just completely, completely gone. And we'll get more into that as we go along. But God is trying to get their attention by going back and, and showing them and bringing this to their attention about this locust invasion that had obviously happened there in Israel. He said, hear this in verse number two. Hear this. The, the, the term here, this, means to give ear. It means to listen. Literally, it means to clean out the wax. I'm serious. To clean out the wax. He is trying to get their attention. Hear this. This is so vitally important. Now, notice there, there's, there's, as we read through this, he'll say different, use different terms. He said, ye old men, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But he says, give ear all ye habitants. Don't get hung up on the old men. He has a reason for that. But he said, all the inhabitants of the land. Everyone. No one is left out. In chapter 1, the, the prophet here addresses several types of people. And through the through the, the three chapters here, seven different types of people are mentioned. 
He mentions old men. He mentions children. He mentions elders, drunkards, worshipers, priests, and farmers. Nobody is left out of his judgment that's coming. From the religious crowd and the, and the, and the, and the temple and everything, no one is exempt from this. But he notice he says, first of all, to the old men. There's value in being an old man. It really is. I wish teenagers could hear this. <laughs> we need to listen to them. Now, some of you young bucks out there, you're getting started and you've got young kids and stuff like that. You need to listen to some of the old men. They've been, been around the block a time or two. We might not be so sharp on the electronic gear and stuff like that. But we've been through life. And he doesn't come to the middle-aged men, doesn't come to the young men. He comes and he says to the old men. He asks them that question. Hath this been in your days? Or even in the days of your fathers? What has happened in your life? As an old man, what, what have you experienced that you can pass on to a young man? Every one of us has something that we should be able to, to pass on. It doesn't mean that you got all the answers. But he's, he's resorting back to the old men and he says, look, you're the ones that set in the gate in, the, in, in this culture. The old men, the ones that were wise, they would come and they would set in the gate of the city and people would come and they'd ask them advice and they'd give their advice and they'd give counsel on different things about the, how to run the city and how to run the government, how to run your family, how to buy land, all these different things was taking place with the old men. We're not always as smart as we think we are, but God appeals to this. He says, hath this been? He said, I want you to look back. And I want you to take a look. Remember the past. The things that God has done. Because he's going to tell you to teach your children. Tell your children. What do you got to say? What are you teaching your children? Walking in, turned on TV, and let it blast all night is not teaching your children. It is, but it's not teaching the right thing. God does specific things that are very obvious. Markings, landmarks. He, he puts up signs for us. But sad to say, we don't recognize them. What, what did Israel, have, what had they done? What was he talking about here? Israel had been, had been moving God's landmarks. He'd been moving God's markers. They'd been adjusting, moving the goalpost, moving God's standard of worship, moving God's standard of the Sabbath and not 
obeying the Sabbath. Well, it's just like another day. I remember growing up as a kid, nothing, nothing was open on Sunday. Marriage. We could start there for about three weeks. Sacrifices. Instead of the pure sacrifice, they brought the culls from their herd. The blind, the lame, what was left over. The enemies were not their enemies anymore. They made covenants with them. They made contracts with them. They, they paid them paid them off to leave them alone. The landmarks were moved. The word of God was not adhered to. It was justified. Hath God said? You listen to almost every newscast, and that's exactly what they're saying. Hath God really said we're supposed to discipline our kids? We're supposed to spank our kids? We're supposed to... You mean, you mean God, it, it's wrong for me to, to, to live with somebody? Yes. What's happened is we've moved the landmarks. And God says a lot about this, and this is not my message, but I, want, I just want to bring your attention to some things that God says here. In Deuteronomy 19 and verse 14, Thou shalt not remove thy neighbor's landmark, which they of old time have set in thine inheritance, which thou shalt inherit in the land that is the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it. He said in chapter 28 and verse 17, Cursed be he that removeth his, land, his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Proverbs 22, 28, remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. They had boundaries, they had landmarks, they had signs, they had, had guidelines that we were supposed to go with. In Proverbs 23, verse 10, remove not the old landmarks and enter not into the field of the fatherless. Even the, the, those that did not have parents, the orphans, God took care of them, and he said, there's things you can and cannot do. I remember the message pastor preached about slaves. Slavery was a, was a known fact, but it was not like slavery that we know. Slaves had rights. Slaves were to be treated in a certain way. There were landmarks there. There were boundaries put up, put up by God. Hosea 5 and verse number 10. The princes of Judah are like them that remove the bound, the boundaries. Therefore, I will pour out my wrath upon them like water. You see, there's boundaries set by God. Men have moved the boundaries. That's what Israel had done. God had established a, a wonderful law, a God of order. God is a God of law and order. And he put all these things in place. And he said, you go into my land. And he said, I am going to take care of you. I am going to bless you. I'm going to work with you as long as you keep the boundaries 
you're fine. But through the years, Israel started shifting the goalposts. They started moving the boundaries. And that's exactly what we've done. It used to be a man was a man and a woman was a woman. They hadn't even heard of the word transgender. We've moved the landmark. Murder used to be when somebody would rob a bank and they'd kill somebody or, or they'd rob them and, and shoot them. No, it's called abortion. It's murder. Marriage. Now, just shack up. Just live together. What happened? We shifted the boundaries. We've moved the landmarks. Landmarks that were established by God. And that's what you go back and you look through the Old Testament. And God pronounces judgment on these people over and over. Why? Because they moved the boundaries. Worship used to be worship. Now it's entertainment. If I don't have air conditioning, I ain't going there. If, if you don't sing my kind of song, well, if you don't entertain me, if you don't have programs, uh, we're not going to your church. You know, it's funny. Everybody asks, well, what, 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 you're gonna, what kind of young people's program you got? I'm for young people's programs. But what kind of young people's program? What about asking what, what's the word of God in your church? Are they faithful to preaching and teaching and living the word of God? See, we move the boundaries. Right, what used to be right, now is wrong. And wrong has become right. We're even into pronouns. I remember what that was. They taught me that in school. Really? Have we gotten so far away from the boundaries that even Christians, even in churches, are firing their staff members because they're not using the right pronouns? They ought to fire the preacher for kow kowtowing to the world and the devil and moving the goalposts. That's why it is an honor to be a member of a church that stands for the word of God. Don't ever take that for granted. Don't move the goalposts. And that's what Israel had done. How far have we moved? Joel was going to take them back and show them what God does when you move the goalposts, when you move the landmarks, and he says, I'm going to show you what God has done in the past. It's called judgment. God is going to judge. We love to preach on love and stuff like that. It's fun to preach on love. I love you. But that don't get a whole lot of people to heaven. And that don't get a whole lot of people right with God. 
What has God done in our past? He takes them back and he says, I want you to, old men, has anything like this ever happened that I'm going to tell you? Has anything that you can compare to this judgment ever happened like this locust? He said, this was of God. Most people, if you'd say that that COVID thing was of God, they'd run you out on a rail. You'd never run for politics, amen. You'd be ostracized in business and fired from companies and things of this nature. Wait a minute. It was just a locust invasion. But Joel said... Has there ever been anything like that? You know what that tells me? It was worse than Egypt when God brought them out. Because he said, you old men can remember. And he said, there has never been anything like this. He said, what I'm going to tell you, what God has told me to share with you, is nothing like you have ever seen or heard of in your life. He said, learn some things here. How about our past? What's God done in your life? What could you look back at and say that was God's hand? Or would you really have to think? As missionaries, one of the things I think we have a privilege is we, we're alone. It gets lonely sometimes. But you're over there all alone. But in that loneliness and in that isolation, we get to see the very hand of God working in our behalf and in the behalf of the churches and the things of this nature. When we're thinking about this building and everything, you can't tell me this ain't the hand of God. When you start putting all this stuff together and all of this, I told pastor, I said, I'm glad you're the pastor because I wouldn't have had the patience that you've had. Man, we'd have had five inches of ground. I'd have bought that thing and we'd have <laughs> put up a pole barn or something, you know. Put mats on the wall. Remember them? <laughs> but that's why God made him the pastor. And God is working in these things. I believe with all my heart that what God has done with COVID, what God has done in Florida, is the very hand of Almighty God trying to get our attention. Our attention. Not just America. Yes, he's trying to do that. But it's just like the church may be Judah and, and Israel is the, or is the rest of, the, of, of America. And the rest of America is going in bondage. But God says, I'm going to deal with you too, Judah. And he said, what's going to happen? You cannot imagine. In chapter 1. He teaches us that we've not learned anything from history. That's what he said. Look, this happened back here. Did you learn anything from it? No. They just went right on ahead. 
What did the Jews do throughout history? From that time all the way up here, what were they involved with? Idolatry, illicit sex, drinking, empty worship, going out worshiping idols. They did exactly the same thing that God had punished them for before. And what this tells me, it shows me that, that we haven't learned anything from history. How did God respond to them back in history? Well, first, he, he was very long-suffering to them. But there come a point, and he didn't just mark it down and say, get ready, it's going to happen tomorrow. No, it came just like those those locusts just showed up one morning and judgment fell and there was no, nobody exempt and no backing off. It was as sure as God himself. So what have we done? Oh, come on, preacher. <laughs> it ain't that bad. You're oblivious just like Israel. We're indifferent just like Judah. Preachers get up and they preach their heart out and they beg people to get right with God and to come back to God and get rid of the junk in their life and put God first. And, and, and we, we make a token towards God and that's about as far as we go. Indifference. Just like Judah. How do you think God's going to respond to us? I guarantee you all you got to do is look back and see how God responded to Judah. Because they did the same thing that America's done. They did the same thing that the churches have done. I heard the other day that Brethren Church broke from the rest of the Brethren community or whatever it was over the fact they was putting either sodomites or whatever it was in, in. Well, good for them. Somebody's got to stand. They were moving the boundaries. You say, you, you really mean what you were saying? I, my mission board that I, that I was with for years that I got saved under started going and moving the boundaries. And we started questioning them and, and they didn't have any answers. And my wife and I left the mission, resigned. Didn't try to destroy them, we just resigned. Why? Because you don't move the boundaries. You don't change the rules in the middle of the game. Thank God, Dr. Don Sisk, when he took over, he went back and he changed those things and got it, got it right back on track. And we went back with that mission and been with them all those years. You've got to take a stand, people. You've got to get serious about life because God is going to do the same thing to his church that he did to Judah. We're not playing games. It's not a little Sunday school game. It's not, you know, craft time or something. This is real life. What's going on in this world is, is, is serious stuff. Now, what's he say? Joel chapter 1 verse 3, tell ye your children of it and let your children 
tell their children and their children another generation. You want to learn how to parent? Want a good book on parenting? Joel. Joel says, you look back and you see the hand of God and how God has dealt with sin and what God is promising to do and you tell your children what he's done in your life that you can testify about. Can you testify about it? What's God done in your life? What's he done in your family's life? What's he done in this world? Deuteronomy 4.9 says, Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen. What has your eyes seen? What's God done? Can we even associate this is what God did? When you see rebels coming in and they walk down the, the street and they're burning all the homes and everything, yet they don't even look at your church and you've got 1,500 people in there laying on the floor. Don't even touch them. Brother, that's a hand of God. When you don't have any support and, 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 and for three months God feeds 1,500 people. That's the hand of God. And after you see God working over and over and over and over, year after year, you can go back and you can tell your children. Now they make fun of me because I tell them the same stories over and over. I want them to know what they are. And I don't mind them making fun of me <laughs> too much. But I want them to know what God's done. I want to know it was the hand of God. It wasn't this old boy. It wasn't just some missionary. It wasn't money. God was doing these things. And that's what he's telling them. You go back and you tell your children. You warn them. You let them know how God deals with sin. You let them know that you messed up. And God put you down on your back for six weeks with sleeping sickness. And it wasn't in Africa. It was in Kansas. Because I got away from God and tried to run on him and after I got right with God, you know when you're down there for six weeks and you can't hardly move, you have a lot of time to talk to God. And I said, yes, sir, and we went to Bible college and never looked back. I want my kids to know these things. I want my grandkids to know these things. I had a wonderful thing, kid. Keith sent a video of, of their mission conference down there and I was able to watch it and, and I got to see and, and Dr. Sisk, you know, boy, what a great man of God and he was preaching and, and, and his, it was just tremendous. It was honoring him and everything. That didn't excite me near as much. I had two grandchildren sitting in the choir, faithful, serving God. Brother Don keeps telling me, would you, would you move 
over a little bit. I can't see when my grandkids are up here. He said, your head's getting so big. I said, yes, it is. Amen. I'm proud of it. I want them to know what God's done and how God has has changed my life and how he's changed other people's lives and how he'll, he'll, if they'll stay right and stay faithful, how God's going to use them. I don't want them to move the, the landmarks. I don't want them to stand firm where those landmarks have been planted. The world's the one that's saying move the landmarks, not God. Tell your children the things that your eyes have seen unless they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. That's the word of God. That's parenting 101. Chapter 6, verse 6, he says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way. And he goes on. What are you teaching your children about what God's done? Who's teaching your children? I can't imagine sending my kids to a public school where somebody doesn't even know God and they're filling them with all kind of junk. I'm serious. I'm not trying to split it. You know, I'm not faulting folks for what they're doing, but I, I couldn't do it. Because when you talk to people and you listen to all the whack job ideas, look, this CRT and stuff, it won't go anywhere if they don't have nobody teach. I want my kids to know the truth. And I want them to hear what God has done. God's going to judge all that stuff out there. He said, you teach your children. He said, you go back and tell your children. What are they getting? Not what are they catching. You know, we need to teach our children. Not just see what dad and mom does. They'll see some of that. But they need to be taught. Make a list of those things. That you're going to teach them. Parents. Make a list of about 12 things. 10 things. Whatever. That you're going to purposely teach your children this year. Not that they're going to catch on gun smoke. I like gun smoke. Like Matt Dillon. Don't take no nothing from nobody. But they're not going to get it from Matt Dillon. They're going to get it from you. If they're going to get it. Teach them. Tell them. What landmarks do you have in your home? What landmarks have you laid down? Why have you, why have you made them? We've got to teach them that God is in control. He's the one, not the government. And God's going to use these problems of, and difficulties of the locusts and of the COVID and of the, of the tornado and of the, of the hurricane and of, of whatever comes to try to get our attention and show us that our eyes need to be on Him and not on men. 
teaching that God punishes sin. Whenever you're going to discipline, don't discipline my anger. Set them down and say, look, what's God say about this? This is sin. And God always punishes sin. He loves you just as much as I love you. But God's going to punish sin. Our whole, our whole society now, God don't punish sin. Why? Police don't punish sin. Government don't punish sin. You can go ahead and do this, that, and the other, go, and they'll throw you right out of jail. They're not going to keep you. Our kids need to know God punishes sin. Teach them that he wants it. immediate, true repentance. I, we disciplined our children more for attitude than we did action. Why? Oh, they can go ahead and do what's right or say what they know we want to hear, but you can tell their attitude. Their heart hadn't changed. And God wants that immediate true repentance. Teach them that God can bring that restoration. After you get up off, off your knees, after you've whooped them or whatever, you know, and, 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 and I'll probably get pastor in trouble for all the stuff I say up here, but, you know. They can sue me. <laughs> but then grab that kid and you put your arms around them and you hug them up there and you tell them how much you love them and you make mistakes just like they do and God has to punish you too. And then you pray with them and you bring them back to God. Yeah, you're going to make mistakes. But you show them God don't make mistakes and they can be restored into that right relationship of God. Teach them about the past. What's God done for your family? We should be able to have a whole list of things that how God has worked in our family. Who's responsible? Or responsibility does God say it is? It's ours. We're the ones that must pass it on. Fathers that are to teach their children doctrine. It's not the pastor's responsibility. It's the father's responsibility. His responsibility is to train the church so that the church can do the work of God. But it's a father's responsibility to teach their children. And we don't take that responsibility. Do you know doctrine? If not. Come, let us teach you. We've got Bible institutes. We've got Sunday schools. We've got Sunday morning. We've got Sunday night, Wednesday night. You name it, discipleship. We'll sit down with you, whatever, anytime. And try to help you learn that. Those that don't learn from the past are condemned to repeat it. We've all heard that. Now, Joel points out, and, and he wants to make this point, and this, this will be my last thing here. I, he, he wants to, to make this point. It's God that's working in all these catastrophes to get our attention. So much so that God will become the focus in our life. When these things happened, he didn't become the focus of Israel's life. They went right back and continued to do what they were doing. God has to be feared. God has to be so first in our, in our life that 
whatever he says because we know if we do wrong, punishment's coming. That's a good fear. That's not a I'm scared fear. That's, a, that's just right. And we talk about it, but we, we've, we've lost our fear of God, I'm afraid. What did God tell them to do? Look at verse, verse 14. Sanctify ye a what? A fast. Call a solemn assembly, a serious part here. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the where? To the house of God, the Lord your God, and cry unto the Lord. What did he say? It's time to repent. Look back at what God has done and how he's dealt with Israel before and how he's dealt with sin before. And he said, look at yourselves where you're at. He said, God is going to judge man again. And it's going to be like you've never seen in all your days. It's going to shock you. It'll ring your ears. Come to the house of God. Meet with him there. Repent in sackcloth and ashes over and over. This is serious stuff. Did they learn? No. Well, what about us? We must recognize our sinfulness and repent as well. We'll have a revival. Very few people will change. They'll get excited for the meeting, but their life don't change. The locust plague was unprecedented. That tells me God can do anything. Anything. And that fast, and it completely destroyed the entire nation. Joel's telling us what can take place. God's going to do something big. That's what he's saying. God's going to do something big here. And I think God's about ready to do something big here in America. And it's not going to be fun. The tragedy is that people forget their own history and their biblical history. And that's why I'm taking so much time on this. I want you to, to go back. And you, he's saying, go back and look at, at biblical history. How does God deal with sin? And he said, judgment begins where? The house of God. With us. History has little or no impact on the thinking of most people. We're oblivious. And we don't recognize the hand of God when he's, when he's actually working. We very seldom learn from history. People, I, I hear it all the time. They say, well, well you know, what, you, what about this? Well, we, we need to learn from this so we don't repeat it again. They say that all the time on the news. We need to, re, we need to learn this so we don't repeat it again. They learn it? No, they go right out and do it again. We do not learn from history. So what do we do? What's the what's cure here? Sit down with your kids. Sit down with your kids. And start telling them about how God has worked in your life and how God has worked in America and how God has, or America has turned their back on God and how I turned my back on God and how I was wrong and how God dealt with me and how God is going to deal and is dealing with America and how God is going to deal with the world. 
And he puts it right in this book. Our children must know. How do you think they're going to stand up against the onslaught of this world? It scares me to think about my grandkids and my great-grandchildren. And what if God tarries his coming, what they're going to have to put up with. We got to tell them. We got to sit down with our children, with our families, and rehearse these things so that they're able to tell them to their children, and then they're able to tell them to others' children. We need to get back to the very basics. And that's what God starts this off with. He says, Go back. You old men, have you seen such a thing as this ever? He said, this is what's going to happen. And this is what we'll start with next time. Father, Lord, help us to realize this is just not an interesting book. This little three-chapter book of Joel, this prophecy, but it's serious stuff. And Lord, that you will take these times and that you will change our lives that we might repent that we might be faithful to the house of God Lord that you might have first place in our thoughts in our minds in our hearts God just, just work in ways that we have no idea what you're going to do but help us to go back tonight and sit down, maybe husband and wife, and say, what are we going to teach our kids this year? What's our plan? What do we want them to know? How have you worked in our family, in our life, so that we can pass it on to our kids? In Jesus' name, amen.